Chapter Twelve of the Mind the Paint Girl. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Mind the Paint Girl by Lewis Tracy. Chapter Twelve: Smoldering Ashes. It was four o'clock on a summer's morning and necessarily broad daylight, even in London when the peace of bloomsbury was disturbed by the snorting of three automobiles which drew up one behind the other close to the pavement in front of lily paradell's house limousine doors were flung open almost simultaneously and several of the revellers from the pandora theatre alighted lily was escorted by enid moncrief roper and farncombe jimmy birch had in her train von rettenmayer Fulkerson and vincent bland and de castro was accompanied by gabrielle cato and daphne durer the latter one of the pandora girls who happened to live in the same locality as gabrielle she was the only one of the party who seemed to be borne down by sleepiness the others were wide awake but pale and haggard the men looked as if carlton smythe's specific of a wash and brush-up would do them good and even the graceful girls bore traces in their slightly dishevelled hair of the delightful romp which had just come to an end lily ran up the steps and opened the door with a latch-key come in everybody she said do take off your wraps for a minute we'll go to my boudoir it's the only habitable room in the house at this hour Fulkerson, whose inebriety had reached the argumentative stage held forth for a moment on the doorstep working clashes he cried don't talk to me bout the working clashes oh hush bertie said jimmy berg do shut up people may hear you i'm shick o the very mention o the name working clashes he repeated emphatically oh sit on his head somebody we shall wake ma and the servants cried jimmy concernedly lily laughed they were already on the stairs don't worry she said tossing the words over her shoulder you won't wait my servants and mother's bound to hear us she sleeps so lightly when i'm out daphne yawned candidly and stumbled there was an ominous tearing sound of some gauzy material serve you right my girl said jimmy where's your manners the boudoir was on the second floor lily who was now carrying a bouquet composed of white and pink roses made straight for the windows and drew up the blinds letting in the cold clear morning light wraps and overcoats were disposed carelessly in the first place that offered and fulkerson threw his impediments on the floor he was still wrestling with some imaginary grievance one odd imagine the working manch the only person who ever does dayish work ridiculous he declared von rettenmayer and bland seemed to be amused and de castro unbent so far as to take up the parable there the thome truth in what bertie the thigan though he lisped for in the than the but fulkerson was in no mood to listen to anybody else Brish working man he growled with manifest disgust by jove yes he's a bit of a fraud put in roper 
hoping by agreement to whittle fulkerson into a more amiable mood when i think of the work mr lionel hesketh roper manages to dispose of in the course of a day he threw up his arms and nodded his head to signify that he was quite at a loss for an adequate figure of speech lily announced that she was going to reassure her mother lest ma should wake with a start and think there were burglars in the house if any of you want a drink you must hunt for it yourselves in the dining room she said you play host uncle lull barncombe bland and roper nearly fell over each other in their haste to open the door but farncombe won being the youngest and most active now then give your orders gents cried roper briskly ladies don't all speak at once fulkerson plunged forward wildly i'll have a small whiskey and soda he said bland followed him and miss birch sent roper also in pursuit do stop that boy she cried we'll have trouble enough to get him home as it is can i get you anything enid said von rettenmeyer a glass of soda water please was her answer the same for me von put in miss cato the big blond german looked down upon the tired daphne who had curled herself up on a box ottoman and was already half asleep she was a good-looking girl and her face lost in repose the somewhat sulky expression she had borrowed from her friend gabrielle cato baby baby he murmured sentimentally don't disturb her said jimmy birch let her have her snooze in peace but the baron seemed to find the picture rather attractive shall i bring you your bottle you pretty little baby he murmured enid turned on him irritably tempers are apt to be short at four o'clock in the morning in any case he had no business to admire another girl no matter what the hour might be don't be an idiot carl she snapped sam will you fetch me some soda water then von rettenmeyer bethought himself i beg pardon he said humbly and went out with de castro snatching up a hand mirror enid looked at herself critically what a sight she exclaimed gabs do you think lil would mind my going into her bedroom of course she wouldn't said gabrielle taking the mirror in turn and viewing herself with like dismay oh i'm yellower than you isn't this light awful she threw aside the mirror and both girls hurried away jimmy birch though not concerned about her personal appearance as these professional beauties could not resist the claims of curiosity she too examined her features critically oh you lovely creature she cried glancing at farncombe while readjusting a comb in her hair she found that he was gazing at her earnestly young man she chirped turn your face to the wall please i'm about to use my puff suddenly with rapid stealthy movements he closed one of the doors which the others had left open and crept close to the astonished girl she stared at him thinking frankly that the chill air of morning had proved too much for him but his low earnest words soon undeceived her miss birch he said you're miss paradell's friend her great friend will you be a friend of mine too and do me a service it 
it all depends she answered genuinely startled i want you to beg her to allow me to remain behind with you for a few minutes after the others have gone remain here you and i she repeated yes and then if she permits it will you wait in the next room while i speak to her miss birch i-i must speak to her he was almost incoherent with anxiety but she understood perfectly w w wouldn't to-morrow do she stammered she's tired you know five minutes pleaded farncombe no longer won't you try to arrange it for me jimmy who had soon regained her equipoise pursed her lips and looked demure without any preliminary warning life had become undeniably exciting hm she murmured of course i'd stay delighted i'm sure it doesn't matter how tired i feel i know i'm a brute said farncombe contritely but i really think the arranging is your job lord farncombe she continued oh with all these people around me i should make a horrible bungle of it and attract attention you're clever no one will notice you the girl raised her eyes to his in a saucy quizzing yet friendly way look here she said am i guessing correctly do you want to ask lily to marry you yes he said although the reply was just what she expected it gave her a shock in her excitement she caught hold of him are you sure she demanded yes came the decisive answer my mind is made up as firmly as it'll ever be on any matter you'll help me say you'll help me jimmy walked about in a flutter the situation was critical and called for strenuous action finally she paused as though some practicable scheme had occurred to her there's one thing i will do she said pointing to the writing-table scribble her a note a line and i'll give it to her that won't attract attention i've no objection to do that much for you hurry up you'll find a note-paper in the drawer what bunglers you men are here's a pen will a j suit you by this time she was as breathlessly intent on the affair as farncombe himself and had followed him to the table and thrust a pen into his hand what shall i say he cried gazing up at her for inspiration they looked into each other's eyes in blank dismay well i never she laughed i don't know still it isn't exactly a love letter is it simply say what was the expression you used just now will you allow me to remain behind for a few minutes with miss birch after the others have gone thank you sighed farncombe beginning to write you can call me jimmy if you like she conceded thank you he said the girl knit her eyebrows thoughtfully someone might return at any second yet on reconsideration the note would sound rather bald in its present form i suppose you ought to give her an inkling though the merest hint of the reason oughtn't you she asked farncombe looked up anxiously do you think so he said well you don't want her to imagine it's only a chat about the weather for heaven's sake don't chafe me he said earnestly and began to write on his own account how will this do 
I know I am presuming a lot, but I, I can't leave you till I, till I have asked you the most important question a man can put to a woman. Oh, but that's ideal, she cried, clapping her hands. Gabrielle came in, but did not hear Jimmy's sato voce exclamation. Dash those girls! The truth being that Gabrielle's complexion was much improved, and Miss Birch promptly noted the fact. Lord Farncombe is writing me out a remedy for freckles. Isn't it sweet of him? She said. Freckles, murmured Gabrielle mournfully. If you want to see a martyr to freckles, knock at my door. Now Enid joined them. Her lips were a little too red and her cheeks a little too pink, but she looked charming, as von Rettenmayer evidently thought when he and De Castro entered with tumblers and a siphon of soda water. I hope we have not kept you waiting, he cried. Bertie the been makin' himself a regular newitha down thereth, exclaimed De Castro. Poor Bertie, said Enid. It's a pity he has this little failing. Gabrielle became even mildly enthusiastic. There's not a nicer boy in London. Bar that, she said. Do be quick, muttered Jimmy Birch under her breath. And Farncombe completed and folded the note hastily. No one was paying any heed to them, because Bland and Roper were hauling Fulkerson upstairs, and the trio encountered Lily on the landing. Neary. Miss Padell, cried Fulkerson indignantly. Now you can have it out with her, said Roper, who was puffing like a grampus. My, what's wrong? demanded Lily. Most unjustifiable treatment in the part of these gentlemen, said Fulkerson, lurching into the room after her and scowling at his supporters. The dear youth is irate with us for cutting off supplies put in bland responding to the questioning look in lily's face am arguments this said fulkerson doggedly when a gentle lemon shish invited be the lady of the house to partake if refreshment oh be quiet bertie or i'll box your ears said the girl turning from him with a shrug of good-natured tolerance i've had such a wigging for asking you all up Mother says we girls'll look as ugly as sin on the stage tonight. So we shall. Absolute hags, agreed Enid. I feel as fresh as paint, laughed Lily. Give me a sip of your soda water, Gabrielle. Fulkerson denied any further stimulant, and still dominated by an unacknowledged fear of Lily Paradell, turned his attention to the sleeping Daphne. He gazed at her stupidly and began to sing to himself, Oh, the gals, oh, the gals. I am awfully fond of the gals. The Baron and Roper, even the elderly Sam, who ought to have known better, began to hum the ridiculous air, whereupon Bland, with a fine assumption of authority, screwed in his eyeglass firmly. Hush, hush, Ma's quite right, he said, seating himself at the piano. One more turn, and then let's clear out, and his fingers ran lightly up and down the keyboard in the prelude to a languorous waltz. Lily Paradell, whose fund of vitality was apparently inexhaustible, and feeling, perhaps, 
that as hostess she must not allow herself to wear even the semblance of inhospitality leaped up from the chair into which she had dropped hurrah one more dance she cried shut the door uncle lull choose your partners gents cried the irrepressible roper and jimmy birch ran across the room to thrust farncombe's note into lily's palm rat tat says the postman she whispered and promptly seizing roper swung him off in a waltz lily found that farncombe was looking at her she signaled to him gaily and soon they were whirling around with the others while fulkerson nearly frightened daphne out of her wits by pulling her off the sofa and literally dragging her into the waltz movement before she was well awake lily aware of something curious and hidden about the note she was holding opened it and glanced at the contents over farncombe's shoulder dear miss paradell she read then she turned hurriedly to the signature is this from you she said lifting her eyes to her partner's for an instant yes he answered hoarsely she read on quietly to the end when she stopped dancing and the two stood for a little while gazing confusedly at each other the girl's face was otherwise quite expressionless she slipped the note into her dress and held out her arms again with a mute invitation that they should continue the waltz it had a pleasant refrain and by this time most of the others were humming it if you would only only love me if you would merely merely say wait but a little a little for me i will be yours be yours some day at last bland shut down the piano lid with a bang ladies and gentlemen he said rising and bowing gracefully the festivities connected with miss paradell's birthday are over our lives will now resume their normal serious course there was a murmur of approval even the brightest and liveliest of gatherings must have an end though they all felt that this supper and dance would be memorable in the annals of the pandora theatre nobody can say the affair hasn't been a brilliant success that's one comfort cried roper it wouldn't be true if they did said gabrielle she turned to de castro who was helping her with a wrap and exclaimed in a snappy aside you have got it inside out ah yes haven't we had a splendid splendid time cried lily splendid echoed enid a charming bardie absolutely i won there was even a snatch of melody venus seinen nacken ut der dein sklav lily ran to roper and seized his hands a vote of thanks to uncle lol for his share in getting it up she cried bravo lol said bland slapping roper on the back and to carleton added the girl don't forget carleton or maury coolin put in de castro struggling with his overcoat oh no no she cried we can't forget dear old maury there hathn't been a hitch from thart to finneth added de castro not a hitch said lily fulkerson suddenly recollected his grievance and struck a discordant note i beg o pardon there wash a itch when a genly manish invited birth lady of the house to partake of some refreshment his words were drowned in an outburst of laughter and lily whispered to bland do take care of him 
in the midst of a chorus of farewells she seemed to bethink herself of something which had slipped her memory uncle lull jimmy she cried i want to speak to you too for a second oh and you lord farncombe now you others no noise please au revoir sans adieu mes enfants vincent you close the front door she watched her guests descending the stairs and returned to the room her manner had become strangely soft and subdued lord farncombe wants to have a quiet talk with me about about something she said addressing roper and he has asked me to let him remain behind with jimmy for a few minutes but there's no necessity for you to wait dear she added looking at her friend oh don't consider me gasped jimmy but i do go upstairs and tell mother that lord farncombe's with me say i promise he shan't stay long you'll take jimmy home won't you lull roper's eyes were starting out of his head this development pleasant as it was had come upon him with the overwhelming force of an avalanche w w with pleasure he stammered i shall see you again later in the day perhaps said lily to jimmy affecting a commonplace manner she was far from feeling rather rather and the girl's arms were flung around lily's neck while the two kissed affectionately darting a significant order at roper sit in the hall till i'm ready jimmy ran out pausing at the door before she ascended the stairs to bestow a smile and a parting nod on farncombe the stockbroker was in a state of ill-subdued exhilaration his was a good-natured soul and he rejoiced in the promised outcome of his scheming yes yes he bleated i won't keep these you lambs from their tete-a-tete catch me laughing hysterically he patted lily's face and took a hand in both of his lil he said you call me uncle lull but i've always felt much more like a parent towards you acted as such eh yes dear she murmured and any happiness that befalls you any happiness that befalls you he choked over the words well i'll leave it there god bless you god bless you then he bustled across to farncombe who in the pretense of departing with the others held his hat in his hand and carried an overcoat on his arm and god bless you my lad i am proud proud to have the honor to have been the means of the means of he broke off to wring the young man's hand heartily and muttered anyhow god bless you both i i'll drop in by and by and inquire after you my pet all right lull said lily faintly ha 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 the little man did a hop skip and a jump in his elation whir he shouted stand away from the lift no more passengers this journey and out he went then the two faced each other at last they were alone the only movement in the room was the gentle stirring of muslin curtains when a light breeze sighed through an open window they listened almost breathlessly it would seem to roper descending the stairs and humming the refrain of the waltz if you would only only love me if you would merely merely say wait but a little a little for me i will be yours be yours some day light footsteps raced across the landing jemmy birch was hurrying to join her escort 
a door closed beneath a motor purred in the street from the trees in the square came an angelic chorus of birds greeting the sun End of chapter twelve